the coronavirus is being worshipped in parts of India as India media reports that there are rural Hindu women who have started leaving offerings to their new deity, a deity they've labeled Coronamai. I want you to know why this is not as strange as it sounds. Coronamai, the new goddess within the Hindu religion, is a goddess worshipped by women who are in the practice of digging a pit in a field, filling it with water, and then offering nine cloves and other fruits to their deity. One woman says that we sing songs to appease the goddess. We've taken shelter under the goddess coronavirus because we believe she will be pacified with our worship. We have worshipped coronavirus goddess so that our family members will remain safe from it, says Nina Devi, a worshiper who joined one of the groups. We hear a story like this and we say, how sad is it for those poor, uneducated, rural women in the back part of India, the state of Uttar Pradesh, and we sort of laugh at how odd they are. Fact of the matter is, it is a sad story, but it's not as far-fetched from us as you might think. The book of 1 Timothy, a book written by the Apostle Paul, describes what culture would be like in the last days. Let me read these verses. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-7. through seven. He says, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, slanderers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such people as these, for among them are those who slip into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What's interesting to me is that of all of that laundry list of bad cultural characteristics, and the list when you read it out loud just feels like it's going on and on and on. Paul is describing a culture filled with people who only think about themselves, who only focus on things that are to their own advantage, and it just never seems to stop. But it's at the end of the list that he says something that I find most fascinating out of all of the characteristics on the list. He says that in the last days, people will be characterized by this phrase in verse 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Sometimes people ask me questions and they say, how in the world did we get to where we are right now? I mean, if you're old enough, you lived through the 60s and you thought, wow, can the world get any crazier than this? 60s were followed by the 70s and the 80s and the succeeding generations. But really the last 10 years have topped all of those that have gone before. 
How did we get here? How does Paul's list from 2,000 years ago seem so strangely familiar to the world that we live in today? Well, it's because while we laugh at these uneducated women practicing their own form of Hinduism in Uttar Pradesh, India, the reality is our culture in the highly civilized Western world can best be described by this phrase from Paul. We are a culture that is always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We're always trying to assess things, but we never seem to quite get our way to the right answer. Well, why is that the case? Well, Paul tells us in a different place. In the first chapter of Romans, he says this. He says, claiming to be wise, meaning the people of the world, claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible mankind, of birds, four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them up to vile impurity in the lusts of their hearts so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. Now this is the verse that you need to hear, Romans chapter 1, verse 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for falsehood and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. You see, what happened is, as mankind over the generations, over the centuries, as we have progressively and consistently not just ignored the truth of God's revelation in the world, but as we've actively suppressed it, that is, we've rejected it and refused to believe it, Paul says God gave them over. In other words, he left them to the natural consequence of their decisions. Because we have suppressed what is true, the natural consequence of that is now we no longer can discover what's true. C.S. Lewis once said that the problem with, with the world today is not that men who reject God refuse to believe, it's that men who reject God now instead will believe anything. We live in a generation that will believe anything. You say, well, how does this relate to those rural women out in a field somewhere in India worshiping a new goddess called Coronamai? Well, it relates because I want you to see how many things that are not God we worship that are just as silly. In our generation, we worship the earth. That's where the entire radical environmentalist movement comes from. It's always fascinating to me when I read articles from writers within that uh, segment of the intellectual intelligentsia. They tell us that the earth, in their estimation, can only sustain a billion people at its maximum capacity. Well, besides the fact that that is demonstrably false, the question they never answer is, what is their plan, their strategy, their intention for eliminating the other eight billion people. You see, there are consequences. Chuck Colson used to say that, that ideas have consequences, but bad ideas have victims. When you worship the earth, there will be victims of that bad idea. We worship the government. 
we have a whole segment of our population that thinks that the government should wield absolute power and they're not bothered by this concept because in their minds, the government will use it to the advantage of the chosen, the elite, the select. And it's interesting, people who hold that view of government always think that they're gonna be included in that segment of the society, the elite or the chosen. Listen, when we think that government should control every aspect of our lives, and I'm gonna talk about this more next week, we are offering worship. We worship sex. We think that our culture believes that there should be unrestrained, absolutely no restriction on our ability to choose to do sexually anything we want to. No depravity is out of bounds. Everything should be available to us and should be practiced without shame or consequence. You see, like it says here, God gave them up to vile impurity in the lusts of their hearts so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. One of the consequences of rejecting truth is that we replace the one true God with whatever God is initially attractive to us. But those gods always fail to keep their promises. Environmentalism will produce a strategy to eliminate most of the humans on the planet. A belief in government will put unrestrained power in the hands of men who are no more virtuous than you or I. And when we worship sex, we produce a culture that is obsessed with the vilest kinds of unrestrained depravity. It doesn't end there. We worship animals. In our culture, everybody has seen those commercials with shivering dogs in the cold with a, with a dramatic appeal for funds to, to rescue them. Now, if you want to participate in the rescue of animals, I'm all for it. Knock yourself out. But please understand that the very people most often promoting the rescue of animals are also the very people promoting the murder of babies in the womb. Somehow, because we worship animals, we have created a God that cares for the beasts of the field but has no concern whatsoever for human beings created in the image of the one true God. And yes, like those Hindu women in India, some people in our culture worship the virus. What do I mean by that? I mean that whether it's mask mandates or vaccine mandates or forced lockdowns, whether it's the shuttering of businesses or uh, the increase of political power, there are people who love the virus because it has provided an opportunity for them to grasp control that they could never have had without this crisis. It's interesting, the media has been telling us for two years that we need to do this or do that or don't do this or don't do that, and they've assured us along the way that all the doctors are in agreement. The medical community is united about these strategies, these, these steps that we have to take to end this pandemic. Well, the fact of the matter is we've now been in this pandemic long enough that legitimate research has been able to take place. What we know now 
is, and, and I've put some sources on the a resource list at the end of this video, what we know now is that there is an organization called Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. They have produced summary long-term evidence on the drug ivermectin and come to the conclusion that this controversy about ivermectin should be settled because it is it has vast physical benefits for the prevention and treatment of COVID-19. By the same token, we've been assured that the medical community is in unanimity on this topic, and yet, just recently, and you can Google this, there is a declaration that has been released called the Rome COVID Declaration. The Rome COVID Declaration is a document that argues that government should be removed from healthcare decisions. Those decisions should be returned to the patient-doctor relationship, and it is signed by 16,000 doctors from across the globe. The media has been lying to you about the unanimity of vaccine science and other treatments during this pandemic. There are thousands of doctors worldwide who have now said, we've got to go back to the way of treating disease that we had before the politicians decided to take over healthcare. We've been told several things. We've been told that this pandemic is a, quote, pandemic of the unvaccinated. That is proven to not be true. We've been told to follow the science. And yet, as those documents that I've just mentioned will tell us, the science has not ever been settled. And if you follow the science, it won't lead you to where the media claims it should go. How do we know this? I've given you a resource here for 30 peer-reviewed studies that come to different conclusions than the current White House administration and the mainstream media will tell you. But you haven't heard about any of this research because even though it's peer-reviewed and seen as trustworthy, it goes against the media narrative that's necessary for the grasping of power in our generation. Experts who speak opposite that narrative are being banned right and left from social media platforms. They're frozen out of mainstream media outlets. We live in a generation that is always learning but never coming to the truth because God has given us over and we are now not believing the truth so we will in turn believe anything that is sold to us. Where do we go from here? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you stay in the Word of God. If you don't know what's true, then you continually bring yourself back to the one place that you know is true. The solution for everything in the Bible, you say? Absolutely. The Bible doesn't speak directly to every issue of our day, but it gives principles of truth that are applicable to helping us navigate all of the issues of our day. I would put it this way. We spend a lot of time talking about vaccines. Well, here's what you need to know. The Bible is true, and truth is the vaccine for our soul. And it is 100% effective all the time. This is Truth Currents.